devil's been fighting me, preparing for this message last night and through the night and earlier this morning, and I'm, I'm ready to worship the Lord a little while. I'm ready to preach this morning, and I'm not going to let the devil win anything. Let hair lip the devil, as North Carolina saying, you don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either, but we're just going to go on and have church anyway and preach. John chapter 8, if you would stand there, verse number 12. <clears throat> Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye know ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, you would have known you would have, you should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man, laid, no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again to them, I'll go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself, because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. He said, you are from beneath, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. I said, therefore unto you, that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. The same God from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same one. I have many things to say to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, Ye, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I'll do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. And they said, Jesus, to the Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth. Last Sunday afternoon, we looked at the beginning of this chapter number 8. The woman there caught in the act of adultery, the those Pharisees brought her to Jesus, not because they cared anything about the woman or, or the sin of the woman. They really didn't care about her or the sin at all. They just wanted to trap Jesus with it. And that's what they're trying to do. And we saw those things. If they really cared about the sin, they would have brought the man as well. But they didn't. We saw those things last week. So they left. The, they, they realized they could not trap Jesus. Imagine that. They couldn't trap the Son of God. Imagine that. So they left. The Pharisees left. It says Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. She calls him Lord. He forgives her sins. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a heavenly Father who is willing to forgive our sins? That wonderful grace of Jesus we just sang about. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God we serve. I'm glad he's a God of second, and third, and fourth chances. I'm glad he's willing to forgive even when we don't deserve any bit of it. We never have deserved any bit of it, never will. This woman was caught in the very act of her sin, and she apparently believed in him. She called him Lord, and he forgave her. I'm thankful that God is willing and faithful to forgive our sins. That's not the end of this chapter. As we've seen over and over again here in the book of John, these 
beginning miracles of these chapters are oftentimes just the introductions for Jesus to preach and give some great truth to the rest of these Jews. That's what he does again here in this chapter. Do the same exact thing here. He, and he, he did forgive her. Yes, he forgave her sins. Amen for that. But yet again, that was just an introduction to give him the opportunity to preach the gospel to these Jews and give them the truth of his gospel, truth of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what's going to, going on here in the rest of this chapter. He's going to give them the truth. He's going to give them the gospel. And they're going to argue and complain to him and about him. He's going to preach the truth to them anyway. And they don't deserve it, but he's going to preach the truth to them anyway. And many will still believe on him, it says, despite what, the Lord, despite what they're doing, many are still going to believe on him. And that's why he's preaching. But the Lord's not going to preach just part of the remainder of this chapter this morning. Lord, we're going to close out the rest of it tonight and preach a few minutes on this thought. I am the light of the world. The beginning of this division, if you will, between these people, between the Jews and Jesus, the beginning of this argument is yet again Jesus. Since chapter 5 and a couple times before then, we have seen these disputes among the religious Jews and they've all started with Jesus. This word has this idea that we should all just coexist. You see those bumper stickers, teach whatever else. That's a lie from devil himself. Read Revelation. Satan is a uniter. He tries, he unites those that are supposedly right on the outside, wrong on the inside. He unites those with the wicked. Jesus never does that. Not one time in the scripture. You cannot find an example of Jesus brushing over sin and smoothing things over with sin. You're not going to find it. And over and over again in the book of John, there's people who are divided and fighting against Jesus because he's given them the truth of the word of God. Not that we are to be rude. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But sin is still sin. It ought to be treated as sin. We ought to love the sinner. Yes, we ought to love the sinner. Amen. We still ought to hate the sin. Loving a sinner's sin will do nothing but put a stamp, your stamp of approval on their sin, and they're never going to get it right. We have church law of our nation today. They're just trying to Make people happy and just make them feel comfortable in the house of God. A sinner living in sin should not feel comfortable in God's presence. You shouldn't feel comfortable in the house of God. And if they do, God's presence ain't there. Loving a sinner's sin is not going to help anything. Satan is a uniter of the wrong people. God is a divider, right from wrong. That's not powerful. That's the truth. Read the Bible. That's what it says. We ought to welcome the sinner to the house of God. Amen. I want to, the church ought to be full of sinners. And it is, but it ought to be full of all sinners. But for the purpose of hearing the gospel and getting things right, we all, that's the reason they ought to come. We don't need to have sin in the house of God in order to make them feel comfortable. Sin ought to feel uncomfortable in the church. I know we've already got that. I don't mean to dig into that too much. But yet again, we see Jesus causing a stir here in Jerusalem. Why? Because he's preaching the truth. What are they mad about this time? What are these Jews mad about? Well, he's, they're already upset about a lot of things. A lot of people are already upset about what happened the days before there in the Feast of Tabernacles when Jesus was in the, in the temple over and over again and tried to rest him over and over again, never could. And then he forgave this woman that was caught in adultery in the beginning of this chapter. No doubt that made them mad. Then he put a light of sin on the Pharisees. No doubt that made them pretty mad themselves. They came in, they felt, felt they were good people, and they left guilty before God. But really, what really set them off in this chapter was a statement he made in verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What a statement. What a truth. The gospel in one verse. He is the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one you've been waiting for. If you follow him, which means to believe, only the word follow means to believe. It means to be in the same way with, to be in agreement with, to believe in him and follow him. If you do that, you won't walk in darkness, but you shall have the light of life. What does that mean? It means you shall be saved. Eternal life in him. You won't have to live a life in darkness and sin. You have a promise of eternal life with him, the light of life. Jesus says, I'm the one that you're supposed to be looking for. And they did not like it. 
as usual. Why are they so upset about this? Well, as most of the times with Jesus and the, these Pharisees, he's pointing back to the, pointing to them the fact that he is God, and he's from God the Father. He's a son of God, and they cannot handle that. They don't like it. The Jews look at the son here as a, the S-U-N, son, as a picture or representation of God. We can see that over in a couple different verses. We'll get to those in a minute. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, they realize what he's saying. They don't like it. It says over in Malachi 4.2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Pictures Jesus as the S-U-N Son. Psalms 84.11, For the Lord God is a Son, S-U-N, and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. These Jews know the Old Testament. They know the Scriptures. They know these verses. And Jesus speaks up and says, I am the light of the world. And he is. They just don't want to believe it. We have in our galaxy today, we have one sun that we live off as the center of our galaxy. It's the source of life on our galaxy. Plants can't survive without the sun. Animals can't survive without the sun. We can't survive without the sun. Those in the southeast probably survive a little bit longer than others. But we can't for very long. The same is true of Jesus. He's the center of our life. He's a source of all life. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's a source of life. He's a, he's a light of life. 1 John 1, 5, this then is a message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He really is the light of the world. I know I've given you a lot of scripture here at one time, but he, here's the point. He is the source of anything that is good. It all comes through him. He's the source of every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. It says over in James. He is the light of the world. He is the source. He's the only hope we have of a future. Preaching Christ is man's only hope. He's the only light there is. No other man can give it to you. He is the source. And that's what he's saying here in this verse, and that has upset these Jews. Why? Because they think they have it all figured out in their law. They are prideful, and we'll get to more of that maybe tonight. They're full of pride, and they have Jesus Christ right with they. They have him right there in front of them, they, and every opportunity they have to hear and believe the truth, they are ignoring every opportunity and sticking to their unbelief. Jesus is point blank telling them, if you believe in me, you will walk in light. If you don't believe in me, you're going to die in your sins. And they don't want to believe it. That means those that follow the priest and did not believe Jesus walked in darkness. Very simple. That's why, that's why they don't like it. Those that follow the Pharisees and Sadducees and not Jesus walked in darkness. No wonder they're getting mad. Those that follow anything other than Jesus Christ, God says they walk in darkness. We have many that don't follow Jesus today or they follow a perverted version of Jesus that has been made up. Guess what? They walk in darkness. He is the only source of light in this world. Jesus is plainly giving them the truth of the gospel and they are refusing it. They want to shut him up. They're trying their best to do that. In this chapter, we can see four different divisions in this dialogue, if you will, between the Jews and Jesus. We can see Jesus and his witness, and Jesus and his world, and Jesus and his word, and Jesus and his walk. And I don't expect to get all those here this morning. We'll see how far we get. We'll finish up the rest tonight. Number one, we see Jesus and his witness. Verse number 13. We've already seen verse 12, verse number 13. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered unto them, Though I bear record of myself, Yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. 
How do they respond? Like a middle schooler. They said, no, you're a liar. That's what they said. Pretty much exactly what they said, verse number three. Thou bearest record of thyself. That record is not true. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. They said, no, you're lying. Jesus just given the very basic truth, the very basic as you can get, that needs no proof. He is the proof. He is the light of the world. Just as much as the sun, it lights our day. Sometimes the Son of God lights our life spiritually all the time. He needs no proof. He is his own proof. They respond with, you're just lying. Honestly, the conversation could have ended there. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, there's not much else to discuss. An old proverb says there are none, not in the book, in the Bible Proverbs, an old wise tale, there are none so blind as those who will not see. They refused to believe in who Jesus was, and that was it. There's not much more to discuss. If you don't believe in Jesus, and he's the Son of God, and he's the only hope of the future, there's not much more I can help you with. Because as we discussed almost every Sunday this year so far, it's all about him. It points forward to him or backwards at him or during his life on earth. It's all about Jesus Christ. But Jesus being the merciful and gracious God he is, full of grace and truth, persists on with him with long suffering and continues to offer more and more proof that he really really doesn't have to prove anything. He does it anyway. Why? Because in verse number 20, verse number 30, and he spake these words, many believed on him. If somebody's listening, somebody's going to respond. So he keeps on going. He answers in verse 14. He says, I bear record myself. My record is true. It's not a lie. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. He says, I know who I am because I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going back to. He came from outside of time into time. He's going to leave time and go back outside of time again. Try to explain that. That's what he did. He says, I know who I am. I don't need any other proof. I bear record of myself. And it's true. You don't understand because you cannot tell where I've come from and where I'm going to. You don't understand it, but it's true. He continues on verse 15. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. He's going back to the fact that they are of this world and that he is not. This is what he's trying to get them to realize here. He is not of the world. They are. He is Jesus. He is the light of the world. Like it's told Nicodemus back in chapter 3. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. They don't understand because they are thinking in the flesh and judging him according to the flesh, not judging him like the Son of God. Because they're not saved. They have no spiritual discernment. What is he saying here? I judge no man. The point is, Jesus knew every one of their sins. He could stand there and judge them if he wanted to. He could send them to hell on the spot if he wanted to. He said in verse 16, yet if I judge, my judgment is true. I can judge if I wanted to. Why? Why does he not do that? For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. He says, if I wanted to judge you, I could. But he wasn't there to do that at that time. He was not on this earth at that time to judge man. He was come to seek and to save that which was lost, come to give us an opportunity for salvation. One day he will come back to judge, but it wasn't this time. He could judge if he wanted to, and they would not approve of his judgment. But it was true. It would be true. He goes back to the Father again, a point they do not like to hear. He keeps going back to it over and over again. It pricks their hearts. It makes them angry, and Jesus will not leave it alone. Why? Because it's the truth, and they'll, if they'll get that through their thick skulls, they can understand who Jesus is. They still don't approve of his testimony. They think he's a liar, and he, so he goes back to the law again for them. Verse 17, talked about some last week. It says, verse 17, it's also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father sent me bears witness of me. It was Jewish law. There had to be at least two witnesses. Like I said, we talked about that last Sunday with the, the woman there caught in adultery. 
Jesus goes back to that again. He says, you're stuck in the law? Okay. Your law says that the testimony of two men is true. Well, I bear witness of myself. I prove myself. And the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. What else do you want? There's your two witnesses. I prove myself with your law. So I'm telling you the truth. They keep going back to the law. So Jesus is going even deeper in the law. He's a lot wiser than they are. He uses the proof of they are. What are they, who he is. How do they respond? Verse 19. Then said they unto him, where is thy father? Not a truer statement they've mentioned so far. They have no idea who God the Father is, where he is. Where is thy father? Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. Jesus again is hitting them in the heart. <laughs> ye neither know me nor my father. These Jews claim to be know God the Father. They think they're living perfectly, at least with the law before him. And yet Jesus is constantly telling them, if you really knew the Father like you say you do, you would know me. Two and one. Them and the Holy Ghost, three and one. You can't know one and not know the other. They all testify of each other, three and one. Amen. Jesus says, if you knew my Father like you think you do, you would know me. If you knew me and you would know my Father, we talk about, we point to each other, witness of each other. We wouldn't have to be here having this disagreement to start with. But you don't know him. What is the point here? Jesus is truth. One basic fact of all of this debate here is that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's where they're having trouble with it. And that's why they can't wrap their minds around everything because they refuse to believe it. And that's where all this, all this is stemming from, the fact they do not believe who Jesus is. If you don't believe who Jesus is, nothing else is going to make any sense. Jesus is truth. He shows his witnesses, the God the Father, to prove who he is. He says, go to the Father. He'll testify of me. Can I ask you today, do you know who Jesus is? Do you believe in the light of life? If not... There's not much else I'm going to say that's going to mean anything to you. I can preach to me and you are both blue in the face. But if you don't believe who Jesus is, nothing I can help you with. Do you believe in Jesus today? Do you know Jesus? These Pharisees didn't. They had an opportunity after opportunity, and they continually blew it away. There was a couple that did not, but the vast majority ignored it, wasted away their opportunities. Don't miss your opportunity this morning. Do you know Jesus? Sure, we'd like to introduce you to him this morning. We see Jesus and his witness. He really doesn't need one. He gave them one anyway, himself and the Father. Not only Jesus and his witnesses, we see Jesus and his world. Verse 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. And then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. And so the Jews, will he, go kill, will he kill himself because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. He said, ye are from beneath, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore to you that ye shall die in your sins. Why? For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. First, I'm going to back up a couple of verses here. Notice where he was at. Where is he standing? The Holy Ghost makes a point while inspiring John the Apostle to write this book of John to write down where Jesus was standing while he was saying these words. If it's important enough to the Holy Ghost to write it down, it'll be important enough for us to study and try to figure out what's going on here. It says he was in the treasury of the temple. This is just inside the gate of the temple, just inside the temple itself. The area is also where the court of women was at. Because this is a portion of the temple that was open to all the Jews, not just to the priests. Now, outside of this was the court of the Gentiles, and God's going to open that up eventually for the Gentiles as well, as we know. Without that, we wouldn't be here today. We understand that. But at this point, he's still reaching out to the Jews primarily. There's a few Samaritans, different ones. It's been over 400 years 
Has God spoken to Israel? Then came John the Baptist, who we read about in the beginning of this book. God spoke through him. And then Jesus came. John has forerunner of Jesus. And where do we find Jesus giving the invitation of the gospel? In the treasury of the temple. Where everybody can get to it. Just past this was where the priest would enter and make the sacrifice, cleanse his hands and laver, and disturb and all those things where the deals taught about in Sunday school and there in Exodus. And just past that was the Holy of Holies where the glory of God has been present in Israel before. If ever there was a place you would expect to meet God, it would be in the temple in Jerusalem. If ever you want to find God, it ought to be there. That's where they found him before. He sat down before in his glory in the temple before. If ever there was a place you'd expect to meet God, it was here. And now Jesus has come, and God has come out of the holy of holies, if you will. His glory is now on his Son, who is in the open court, giving instruction and invitations to all who may believe on him. You see the picture here. Jesus is God. God is standing in the temple again where he's been before, but now he's on the outside, outside of the veil with the common people, and he's discussing with them, even being patient with them and long-suffering with them, giving them the truth that he is the light of the world outside of the veil. What a God we serve. This man, Jesus, is not just a man. He is God. He is God from the beginning, once again in the temple, again with the Jews, and God's presence is in the temple again, and these Pharisees, don't even see it. We see their lack of spiritual discernment. They had none because they're not saved. God is back in the temple again, and they're talking to him face to face. Like the last part of that verse there, and no man lay hands on him, for his hour has not yet come. They couldn't remove him from the temple if they wanted to, and they didn't want to. Why couldn't they do it? Because it was his temple. He is God because he, he's not done yet. His hour has not yet come. He hasn't given up, given himself into their hands yet. There's not a thing they can do about it. This little side note here, you just stay in God's will, doing what God tells you to do. You don't have to worry about the enemy. Just stay in God's will. His hour is not, God was not done with him yet. Jesus begins to speak to them, giving them the truth in the temple. He says, I go my way, and ye shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Notice he says, I go my way. He's the only one in history on earth that's ever been able to say this and also say, verse 29, for I always do those things that please him. He said, I go my way, and I always please the Father. I go my way. There's not a one of us that can say that and also follow God. If we go our own way, what happens? Well, Isaiah told us, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is the only one that can say, I go my way. Why? Because he's God. That's who he is. John Phillips said this, From the cradle to the cross, the sole direction of his life was heavenward and homeward, with every step being marked by obedience to the Father. Only Jesus could say that. Should have rang a bell for these Jews. I go my way. They didn't get it. They have one of the saddest statements we can read in this chapter. And you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Why would God say that? Because these Jews would not believe in him. Gives us more in the next couple of verses. It tells a couple of verses down. They may have rejected, they have rejected Jesus over and over and over again. The same reason that any human being today will die in your sins, because you reject God. And what happens if you die in your sins without Jesus? Then whither he goes, you cannot come. Jesus tells them, one day, you're going to be looking for me. It's going to be too late. 
sinner, can I encourage you today to seek Jesus now? Answer his call now. Don't put it off. You're not promised another day. You're not promised another minute, another second. Don't miss your opportunity to hear the believe in Jesus Christ. The lost man often says, well, I'll do that next week. And I'll, I'll wait till next Sunday. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. One day I'm going to do what I, one day I'm going to get right. And then I'm going to serve God. Sinner friend, you're not promised another breath. If God is calling you, you better listen to his call right now. Don't wait another day. I wouldn't wait another minute. Get it settled before it's too late. These Jews have had opportunity after opportunity to believe in who Jesus is, and all they want to do is kill Jesus. In verse 22, they are confused to say, will he kill himself? They still don't understand. Verse 23, he said, Ye are from beneath, I am from above, ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore to you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus just again gives them about as clear of a presentation of the gospel they could, could ask for. And what do they do? They ignore it. For you, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. That's a promise. The same goes for today. Do you believe? Don't waste your opportunities you've been given. You're not promised another. You're not promised another opportunity. You know, I talked a little a couple weeks ago about the I am statements made in this book of John. We saw the second one here today in this verse number 12. There's many I am's of the gospel of John, but this is the second one here. I am the light of the world. You look at verse number 24 again. I said, therefore, to you that ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am. I am he. I am. Friend, he is the I am. I talked about this earlier. He's the I am of the Old Testament. Moses said, I am hath sent me. God told Moses there at the burning bush, he said, tell them that I am, that I am hath sent thee. The I am has come to earth here in our passage. Jesus Christ, the son of the true and living God, he is the I am. He tells the Jew, I am the light of the world. If you believe not that I am, what happens? You shall die in your sins. Not to scare the sinner today. If you believe not that I am, what happens? You shall die in your sins. No question about it. Friend, that's just as much truth today as it was 2000, over 2,000 years ago when Jesus first spoke it. He is it. He is the I am. If you don't believe in him, there's not much else we can do for you here. He is it. He's the Savior of the world. He's the light of the world. If you don't believe in he is the I am, you will die in your sins. You must be born again. I don't know how much simpler it could possibly be. Are you saved this morning? Have you trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior today? If not, I'm sure would like to introduce you to him. He's the great God, a great big God. He's worthy. He's worthy of praise. You can put your trust in him. He's faithful. He'll love you and care for you. You can trust him. There's not a day he has not been faithful. Not only Jesus and his witness, Jesus and his world. We see Jesus and his word. We won't get all of this this morning. Verse 25. And said they unto him, Who art thou? <laughs> Jesus said to them, Even the same that said to you from the beginning. He doesn't change, church. He's the same from the beginning. Verse 26, I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. 
Then said Jesus to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. And He spake these words. As He spake these words, many believed on Him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed in Him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Just starting to this here, we'll get finish it later on tonight. Verse 25. And said they unto him, Who art thou? Jesus said, Even the same that said from the beginning. They said, Okay, who are you? He says, I'm the same one I've been telling you the whole time I am. The entire time I've been here, I told you the truth. Every time he's been telling this for chapters now, and they're still questioning. That's how human logic inspired by Satan works. It goes around in circles over and over again. You've got to get this settled first. Their problem is they don't believe in Jesus. Friend, if you don't believe in and trust in Jesus today for eternal life, nothing else is going to make sense to you. I know I keep saying this morning, but it's the truth. You've got to get that under control. You've got to understand that. You can spend all your time reading the Scriptures, trying to pick it apart, trying to figure out all the problems and all these other things that many folks today are doing. You can look at Hollywood. They've done that themselves. But the problem is you don't know Jesus. None of it's going to make any sense to you. You've got to know him first. These Jews are not grasping any of this truth here. Why? Because they've not believed in Jesus Christ. Nothing else is saying. Making it, they say, who are you? Who are your father? He's told them that over and over and over again. Why are they not grasping it? Because they don't believe in who Jesus is. Verse 27 again. They understood not that he spake of them of the father. Because they don't believe in Jesus. They're not listening. We preached on a couple weeks ago. Verse 28. And said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, and I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. He speaks of His crucifixion. He says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, when you have lifted me up to crucify me, lifted him up physically, all, yes. Jesus also uses the phrase, talking about lifting him up and giving him glory. His purpose on earth was to hang on the tree and die for you and you and I. Not only die, but rise again. We got a picture there in the Old Testament with Moses and then the serpent on the pole. We talked about that in chapter 3. So when they have lifted him up, then shall you know that I am he. One day you're going to understand. And I do nothing by myself as my father has taught me. I speak these things. Everything he does is the father's will. It says in verse 29, he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. What a powerful statement. Oh, I wish I could say the same thing. He's the only person on earth to ever be able to honestly say that phrase. I do always those things that please me. I don't know about you, that's my desire today. I have ne- not reached I will never reach that. But I want to. He says, when you lift me up, then you'll know who I am. And that came true. Matthew 27, 54 Talking about the Romans. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. What he promised came true. One day those that didn't be- don't believe will believe. Even the Roman guards were convinced that he doesn't, they don't even know the Old Testament, even they were convinced that this was the very Son of God. What have we done? And for every one of those men, there was a day. Every one of these Jews here in this chapter, there was a day. Whether before their death or after their death, they realized Jesus was telling the truth. Friend, I can promise you, even this world down here and the eternal life to come, you will realize the word is truth. 
You're going to. But if you wait until then to believe it, it's going to be too late. Notice all this dispute going on, all this trouble. Look at verse number 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Even in the middle of this turmoil caused by the Jews, people are hearing and believing in him. With all this going on, Jesus is preaching to these Jews. He's defending against the disputes of all this is going on. And these two, for two verses here, after verse number 30, two verses, we see Jesus pulls aside and talks directly to these Jews, those that believed on him. He stops his debate with these others for a moment because the lambs that needed a shepherd because those that believe. Verse 31 and 30, he pulls aside and talks to them directly. If that doesn't excite you this morning, you're not listening. I'm just a nobody and nothing, just a sinner. And Jesus took time for me. He took time away from these religious people who did not want to believe him. He stopped for a minute and turned to talk to these ones that believed. He took time for me. I'm just a nobody and no good sinner. And Jesus took time for me. Jesus stops what he is doing and gives guidance, gives time to those that believe. Friend, God's not too busy for you. He's a great big God. He's the creator of the universe, but he is omnipresent. And he has time for me and for you. What a gracious God we serve. Apparently, some of these folks that believed, still not quite understanding everything that's going on. Maybe they're starting to believe in who he is. They're ready to commit and believe in him. I don't know what's going on. Jesus stops and he gives them some truth. It says in verse 31, they said, Jesus, to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, you need my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus isn't something you can pick up and drop back off the next day. If, you tr- if you're truly saved, it will change you. You will continue in his word. Now, I'm not saying you never sin again, because we all do. Every one of us does. But if you're saved, you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you, and he's not packing up and moving out. He's there to stay. You will continue in his word. You may drift for a while, but the Lord will bring you back. If you truly believe on him and trust him for eternal life, you will continue in his word. And that's what he says here. And what is the promise he gives to those that are truly saved? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There are a couple ways you can look at this first. You shall know the truth. Well, who is truth? Jesus is the truth in life. No man comes to the Father but by him. If you know the truth, you know Jesus, and Jesus shall make you free. He's the truth. But also, if you're saved, you'll begin to understand the truth of the Word of God. If you continue in His Word, you will know the truth, and the truth of the Word of God shall make you, for you understand what He's done for you. Just stay in the book. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost will begin to guide you and teach you from the Word of God. Stay in the book. It'll make you free. You understand some things. You see, Jesus and His Word, the other non-believing Jews hear that, and immediately they try to cause more trouble after that. Verse 33. We'll get to that tonight. Do you know Jesus? Have you trusted in him for eternal life? Have you really, truly believed on him as the son of God and your only hope for everlasting life? Is he the light of your life? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Is he the light of your world? If not, you're in darkness. None of this is going to make any sense if you trust in him. Have you trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? He's a gracious God who's saying about this morning. He'll stop and he'll listen and he'll stop and teach and guide us sinners. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you don't get anything else in my preaching this morning, please understand this. Jesus is everything you need. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's everything in between. 
He's the light of life. He's the light of the world. He's everything I need. If you don't know him today as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never personally believed on him and believed in him and called on him for eternal life, you're walking in darkness today. Don't miss your chance. Don't die in your sins and spend eternity in hell. You're sitting here this morning. You're hearing the truth of the word of God. Don't ignore it and die and go to hell. Romans 10, and thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. No question about it. It's not complicated. It, starts, it all starts with him. It all ends with him. He's the one that's going to carry you through the middle. Do you believe in the light of the world? Do you believe in Jesus this morning? A lot of people believe in who Jesus is. All over our nation, the vast majority of people, especially in the South, you ask them they know Jesus, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I, I know Jesus. You knock on the door, and, oh, yeah, my grandpa built that church, and I, I've been saved 15 times. I'm good. Everybody's been saved. A lot of people know who Jesus is. There's a difference between knowing who he is and hearing things before, hearing the truth of the word of God and believing in him. For you're a personal Lord and Savior. People today have heard the name. They know the Bible, what the Bible says. He's the son of God. Many believe that. Many know that. There's more than just knowing about Jesus today. I've already told you about Jesus today. There's a lot more to it than just knowing about Jesus. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the creator of the world. Not just believe on him, but believe in him. Put your faith for eternal life in him. And have a personal relationship with him. Don't miss the opportunity. These Jews did. And one day, as God promised, they did regret it. Whether they did it in this life or the life to come, I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us their lifelong testimony here. But I can promise you they did regret it. Don't miss your chance. Are you saved today? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Nobody looking around. I try my best to give you the truth this morning. You're here today as a preacher. If I died right now, I don't know where I would go. Anyone here this morning that would say that? If you died on the doorsteps of the church this morning, where would you wake up? Well, I don't want to talk about dying, preacher. I understand. But you better get it settled before it's too late. You have that opportunity this morning. I've done my best to give you the truth. I've tried my best to. Do you know Jesus today? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? I'm not asking if you know about Jesus. A lot of people know about Jesus. Do you know, personally know, Jesus Christ? Don't miss a chance today. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for allowing us to preach your word once more. Lord, I pray you use this church here. Reach this lost and dying world for your sake, for your glory. Lord, I pray you save the souls closest to hell today. Lord, I pray your will be done here in Jesus' name. Amen.